Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas. It's our Boxing Day Premier League preview with James Bench and Jimmy Conrad. We talk Leicester City against Manchester United, Arsenal against Chelsea, Man City against Newcastle, Liverpool against West Brom, and of course, Wolves against Tottenham and all the matches as the Premier League continues in this weekend and Boxing Day. Stay right here. Que Golazo begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso Boxing Day Premier League Preview. James Benj, how are you, my friend? I'm so good. It's so good to be back. Um, it, it, it's great that we've got a Brexit deal in the UK, literally as I come on here now, which I'm not excited at all about. But um, everything's great because it's Christmas in eight hours. Sorry, Jimmy, out on the Pacific. Eight hours until Christmas. I am so excited. Christmas time. And obviously, Jimmy has been waiting to show up that beautiful Christmas sweater. Merry Christmas to all of you. Jimmy, Merry Christmas, man. Merry Christmas to you and to James and to your loved ones, of course. Uh, it's nice to see, James, that uh, everybody got something done before the transfer window for Brexit. That's, that's uh, really smart to get it done early in the window as opposed to waiting for it to go late. You know, just a little stressful at that point. It's a beautiful thing to see. We have so much to talk about. Of course, Boxing Day uh, action, the day after Christmas Day, for all of you that don't know. Uh, Premier League just keeps going and going. Some really key matches. Before we begin, though, tis the season. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we all look to the nines right now, celebrating the holiday extravaganza. But I wanted to ask uh, you, the listeners, but first, obviously, uh, my beautiful colleagues, James Benj and Jimmy Conrad, your favorite Christmas movie. So let's begin with James Bench. What's your favorite Christmas movie, James Bench? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> that, not that, Christmas. There's no, no Christmas. I know there's no Christmas. I, maybe there's a similar equivalent in, I'm sure there is in the States, just movies that are always on every Christmas. And every year the BBC does, at some stage it does, Indiana Jones 1, 2, 3, the only Indiana Jones films. I've never heard of another one. Um, it shows them all like day by day, and it is my favourite Christmas tradition to um, watch them all, especially the last one with Sean Connery. Um, yeah, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> hey, listen, there, there are no rules here, friend. Yeah, absolutely. No the, rules, the, no the rule is, it's not so much, a very good point, it's not so much a movie that's about Christmas, but a movie that you love to watch during the holidays. And I remember as well, growing up in England, right before the Queen's speech, you would get all those, uh, all those Indiana Jones and Mary Poppins would also have to be there at oh, some yes. point as well. Yeah. All right, Jimmy, uh, Indiana Jones for James Banjo. What do you have? I have two comments based on what you guys said. One, Indiana Jones, the fourth one, is absolute trash. So I'm glad you didn't oh, bring it up, Ben. Uh, second, I have a crush on Mary Poppins still. I had it when I was a kid. The, the OG Mary Poppins, not the, not the new one. No, and, Julie uh, Andrews, Mary Poppins. Julie yeah. Andrews, oh my God, still have a big crush on her. Just what a doll, what a babe. So smart and like had it all figured out. I, I just, I can't, I can go on and on. Anyway, 
I'll say Die Hard. Die Hard has a little bit of a Christmas theme going through it. You know, yippee Kaye, MFR, and and like so many clutch lines. And so it had, you know, it was happening during Christmas, even though it wasn't technically a Christmas movie. But 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 to Benja's point, I think the movie we see a lot over here during the holidays is The Fugitive, and it's another Harrison Ford movie. <laughs> yeah, they just show The Fugitive yeah, over and over and over. I'm like, I think he's gonna figure it out. No way he's gonna jump off the dam. Why would he do that? The guy's insane. He's not gonna survive, you know. But so I have a couple of movies I'm throwing in there for you guys. But but uh, yeah, Die Hard stands out for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Die Hard is an absolute Christmas movie. Uh, good choices. I have two. One is Gremlins. I think mm-hmm. Gremlins is the mm-hmm. ultimate Christmas movie. Yeah, I love it so much, but my wife, not so much. So sometimes I have to just like wait till she falls asleep of the eggnog and then just me get to watch it. But the other one, it just, it's a wonderful life. To me, it's just a yeah, beautiful movie. Uh, Jimmy Stewart, one of the greatest uh, actors in the history of movie making. And that's it. So what are your favorite Christmas movies? Make sure that you tweet us, Gegolasso Pod, uh, James Bench, Jimmy Conrad on Twitter as well. All right, let's get going. Premier League, Boxing Day, action. And let's begin with the big one. And the, the reason why I say the big one is really because it's the one that starts off the day. Uh, second against third, Leicester City against Manchester United. Both sides doing pretty well as of late. Uh, Man United in third, uh, just one point uh, behind Leicester City. It's a big one in terms of obviously climbing up that table and catching up to Liverpool. Let's begin with Jimmy Conrad, some betting information on this one. Okay, I'm going to give everybody some context more so than what uh, Luis just provided because I think it's important for the bets I'm going to make. Now, four of Leicester's five league defeats this season have come at home. They're hosting this one. While United, as everybody continues to talk about, have won 10 straight away from home in the league. And they're coming off a tough, tough win. I say tough, but against playing Stoke away, you know, in the middle of the week, which is like the phrase, you know, but can you do it in Stoke on a rainy night? On a two? And they did it. They beat them 3-1. And Stoke had six clean sheets out of the last seven heading into that one. And United looked great. Cavani scored about 17 goals in that one. Um, and so I want everybody to keep that in mind that, that uh, there's, there's a team that's not so hot at home. There's another team in Manchester United that's good away from home. Also, fun fact, Leicester have uh, lost more games at home than they've won this season, and they have zero draws, and I think that's important. Now, nine of uh, United's last 13 matches have seen both teams score, and even though Leicester are coming off an impressive 2-0 win over Spurs last weekend, I think both teams are going to find the back of the net. So I'm looking at Man United to win, and both teams to score plus 320. But if you don't want to get into that, if you think a clean sheet could be on the cards for the Red Devils, United to win straight up is plus 135. I think that's pretty good value. Also, I want to give a shout out to Anthony Martial, okay? Because he has two goals and four assists in his last three games in all competitions. And for me, he's always been a confidence guy. And when his confidence is up, his stats are up. So I would look at taking him to score anytime at plus 175. Or because he's got four assists in his last three games, getting an assist at plus 450. I think that is next level. However, you can't sleep on Jamie Vardy, though, right? You can't sleep on that guy. Him scoring anytime is minus 105. So you got to bet 105 to get 100. And for him to get over one shot on target, I like that one a lot, plus 100. Uh, However, this is my favorite one. You guys are going to love this. If there's a penalty called and taken in this game, it's plus 155. I think you got to get in on that because uh, Vardy had a penalty against Spurs. You know, they're getting in and around the box. They got some Madison's back in the team on a more regular basis. He's being confident. They're going to have guys trying to dribble and do their thing along with Vardy, of course. And then you have, uh, you know, Bruno Fernandez and Manchester United. They're associated with getting penalties all the time. So there you go. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Very good, Jimmy Conrad. James Bench and Leicester City have lost more Premier League matches 
and conceded more Premier League goals against Man United than they have versus any other side. What will be the narrative in this one on Boxing Day? I, I feel really bad for raising this, but um, I think Jimmy, in his brilliant rant, might have got confused on the, uh, the old EFL Cup opponents. But we will not edit that, I'm sure. Um, yeah, that's right. Tottenham the- played against Stoke, not mm. Manchester United. United no, I mean, played. Who did United play? Everton. Ah, oh, that's right. Sorry about that, everybody. No, but you're good. But, but continue. The- they still they still kick their ass. Let's keep they it. <laughs> exactly. They kick their ass really well. Away um, from home. Keep it going. It's all it like. It's just the name. It's just the place. It's all in the mm-hmm, north. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> one of the things I wanted to highlight was from this was actually from the Everton game. And the one thing I'd be worried about if I was Man United, um, Bruno Fernandez looks dead on his feet. Because why wouldn't he? I, I did some of the maths on this for, for the report. Um, of the last 17 matches Man United have played, he's played 45 minutes or more in 16 of them. Uh, over the last 32 days since the last international break, he's played 795 minutes plus added time and has sat for about 105. This guy is constantly the, the one that, are, that United players defer to, that they look to. Before Martial and Rashford came on, um, the, the game plan was pretty much let's give it to Fernandez and, and hope he can bail us out. And quite often Fernandez can because he's one of the best players in the league already. He's probably the most talismanic, transformative player of any you know anyone in this division. But you can't rely on him. You're Man United. You can't rely on one player to carry you as good as Fernandez is. And I think Leicester have got the perfect guy to close him down, to shut him down in, in Wilfred and Didi. It was really noticeable when when Leicester won at Spurs, that indeed he was just killing everything in front of their of the defence. Harry Kane tried to drop deep for a while and just ran into this brilliant defensive midfielder who just wins back every tackle and is the best fouler in the Premier League. He fouls you in such a way that he'll never get... It'll take him five fouls to get a yellow card and he'll do that to United, I'm sure. He'll love hacking down Fernandez and, and Rashford and, and whoever else comes his way. Yeah, absolutely. Just some uh, some injury uh, points. Uh, Jamie Vardy should be available uh, after being uh, subbed uh, in the previous game. Uh, but Aaron Wan-Bissaka is a question mark for Manchester United. And so is Scott Sinedine Zidane McTominay, uh, as well as possibly Luke Shaw. But to uh, Jimmy, to, uh, you know, James's point, Fernandez has been directly involved in like half of Manchester United's Premier League goals since his debut in February, he's just so ridiculously important. So that midfield battle will be very important. Yeah, I, 100%. And these are really spot on. And, and I don't want to take anything away from Leicester because their performance against Spurs last weekend was very impressive. Spurs obviously were coming in on the back end of, you know, getting slapped a little bit by Liverpool, but at least coming off of a loss. And they needed something. They needed to rebound. They needed to kind of put their flag back on the ground and say, hey, we're going to really challenge for the league. And Leicester was like, absolutely not. And outplay them in so many different ways. And, and I think what I really like about Leicester, and this is a sign of a good team, is that if you make a half mistake, they're going to punish you for it. And I mm-hmm. think that Leicester's doing a very good job of doing that. And, and the times that they struggle, it's not because they're not getting those opportunities. It's just like they're not finishing those half chances like they were maybe earlier in the season. And I think that's where they hit that block where they weren't doing as well. But now they're starting to round into form. They're taking their chances again. This should be a cracking game. And, and, and I could see a draw here as well. But, but there's just something about Man United on the road. Those dudes do not like playing at Old Trafford. You put them anywhere else, they're world beaters. You put them at home and they're like, meh. So, so I'm just kind of going to go with the trends here. And also, historically speaking, uh, Leicester's only beaten United once in their last 21 tries. That date, dates back to 2000. So 
you got history, you got current form, especially on the road and given Lester's form at home. Uh, yeah, I kind of like United uh, based on these trends, but you never know. When you got Jamie Vardy, you always got a chance. All right, so you have Manchester United for the win. Do you have a score there, Jimmy? I got 2-1. I think it's going to be United to win both teams to score. I got plus 320 on that. But there is something about Martial getting an assist just because he's got four in his last three games at 450 that I really like as well. All right, the 2-1, James, uh, James Bench, uh, Manchester United for the win for Jimmy. What do you have as your prediction, buddy? I, I'm pretty confident Leicester are going to win. I'm going to say this right now. Luis, you and I spoke about last month about who might like squeeze in if Le if Liverpool slip up, which we don't think they will. It's Leicester, the best team, in, the best, the second best, well, second or third best team in the country, depending on where you put City. That starting eleven is is exceptional, and they have players like Ricardo Pereira to come back. This Leicester team's for real, man. It's really good. Uh, they've got depth. I think they're going to win this. I think this is going to be a statement win. Yeah, I'm look forward to seeing them. Well, the we have a, a James Bench victory for Leicester, uh, a win for Manchester United from Jimmy's side. I'm going to be boring and go with a draw. I'm going to say it's going to be two all uh, with a late, late goal from Manchester United. I think Leicester City, I agree, is, is, is very good, but I think United will do enough to get a point. All right, let's move on because uh, there's another very big game. It's uh, a London derby here. As Arsenal, Arsenal, poor Arsenal facing Chelsea. I don't know what kind of narrative you want to have here, but I believe that this is the Arteta. If you can do something, it has to be here against Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Jimmy, let's begin with your betting tips on this one. <laughs> Again, I don't really know. You know, no Obama Yang, no Partey, no Burkamp, no Henri, no identity, no chance these guys are going to win. I don't know who's even going to score the goals for these guys. Actually, defensively, I think Arsenal have been okay, but they're not very good going forward. They have the fifth worst home record in the Premier League this season. Uh, they picked up just seven points from their seven matches, and they've only scored six times in their seven home games, which is uh, pretty embarrassing. And the last time they won was November 1st. Do you guys remember what you're doing November 1st? No, you absolutely do not. It was so long ago. Nobody knows what was going on on November 1st. I'll catch you up, though. It was World Vegan Day. <laughs> and <laughs> and Ars Arsenal Arsenal beat Manchester United at Old Trafford 1-0, and there was a lot of hope, right? Oh, man, they're going to kick on. They did it. They beat a good opponent away from home. And they have yet. They only have two draws since then out of seven matches in the league. It, uh, it's, it's looking tough. And then you have them. They had played midweek and got slapped by Manchester City. Didn't have a lot of answers for a lot of stuff going on. Sure, they could, you know, raise their hand and say Phil Foden was off for that deciding goal and all that. But there was really only one team that was going to win that, especially as the game wore on. And then Chelsea got to chill midweek. Probably the first time they've got to chill midweek all season. So they get to kind of walk into this with a little bit more energy. Uh, I know that uh, there's a couple players on their team, like Tammy Abraham. I would love to see Olivier Giroud start against his former club in this one. He, his form has dipped a bit. Tammy Abraham's coming off two goals against West Ham. I think you're going to go with the hot hand there. Who isn't hot, though? Timo Werner has not scored in his last six matches. I don't know what's going on with that guy. Kai Havertz probably won't even start. So they're big two money guys. They're two of their bigger names that they signed. Aren't really uh, firing on all cylinders. But I will say two of Arsenal's uh, four Premier League wins this season have been in uh, London derbies. They beat uh, Fulham, which I don't know if that counts, and then West Ham. So, you know, that's... That's what I see. I'm going to do something similar with Manchester United. I'm going to take the team away from home uh, to win. That's Chelsea and both teams to score. I do think Arsenal are going to score potentially. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt here. I feel like somebody's going to get one in there. Lacazette looks like he's an okay form at the moment. A little bit of confidence plus 260. But if you're thinking there's no way Arsenal's going to score, no Aubameyang, not going to happen. Uh, Chelsea to keep a clean sheet is plus 175. 
I like that one a lot. And if you need an American slant, and some of you guys do, you got a little extra cheddar from, from the holidays, uh, Pulisic to score, both teams to score, Chelsea to win is plus 600. So I like that one a little bit too. A lot, a lot of great info there. You mentioned Timo Werner. If you head over to CBS Sports, uh, James Bench has a great article on some of the narratives, some of the reasons uh, about why Werner's uh, situation and, and his lack of goals right now and the meaning for everything. Uh, James Bench also has some great inside information. James Bench, Arsenal against Chelsea. Um, how do you see this one? Give us all the details, all the info, and of course, your analysis. Um, I mean, we can start with Arsenal, obviously. Um, there's so much to talk about there, particularly <laughs> about manager. Um, what's remarkable is this is the worst run of form in living memory at Arsenal. Um, they, they just about scraped away from the worst home form and five straight league defeats at, at their home ground, which had never happened before, but they look diabolical and they still are sticking with Arteta and everything I'm hearing from the club is that they want to stand by him. They're 100% behind him. And that's in a really different way to how they were with Unai Emery. They want this to work out. They would rather back Arteta than the players. Of course, look, there's a point where it becomes impossible to keep him because you run the risk of getting relegated. And I think if they lose two or three of the festive games, it's really hard to see him holding on. But right now, everything out of Arsenal is we're standing by Arteta. We want to give him money in the transfer window. We want to invest in this squad but they need to sell players. Um, they don't actually, uh, something I can report, they won't have a replacement for their lead negotiator, Husfami. They're not expecting that. Maybe it will happen late in January, but they're not expecting to have a, a new lead negotiator in place for the January transfer window, and that will all fall on Edu. Um, they've got to move three players out of the off their books before they can add one in, or they've, you know, the, the squad is oversized. Um, and as Jimmy says, no parte, Bamiyang, Probably not going to be fit, a, a race against time on that one. Martinelli, a doubt as well. He was great when he came back. This is this is a club in crisis. Um, it's the ideal club to face if you're Timo Werner and haven't scored in nine games. Um, I mean, uh, just on that piece, he uh, a lot of it is just, you know, a bit of bad luck. He's a great striker. He's consistently outperformed his XG. He isn't this season, and a lot of that is because he's, kind of missing the the low pressure chances if you know what I mean when there's not defenders around him it's nerves that's really what it comes down to he's missed a few once they start going in and they they could against this Arsenal defense which has gone back a bit deviated a bit towards the norm he'll be flying this Chelsea team's good even if they miss Ziyech this is going to be another hard day for Arsenal the best case scenario is they grind some some something out but they're so far from where they want to be and there's so much pressure around that club right now and so much tension. This is the worst time to be playing Chelsea. If I can just offer an inch of hope for Arsenal fans, just a, just a tiny snowflake, just a, a little bit of an inch that is that Arsenal have won six of their last 10 games in all competitions against the big six since July 15, including you know the one that Jimmy mentioned against Manchester United. Um, of course, this is a difficult game. And the only thing that I will say, I think, is that I feel that Mikel Arteta is going to probably park two buses, a cab in front of him and a train just to hope on the counter. I think it's going to be a very frustrating fixture where Chelsea's going to try to unlock them and Arsenal will hold on. But I'm going to say something here. I'll give my first prediction, then I'll go to Jimmy and then James. I think Arsenal can do this. I think they're going to sneak by and get that one nothing draw. If there is nothing in this Christmas season is to not 
believe and I believe. Let's just give them. There are four points above the relegation zone. Arteta will get his glimmer of hope and they'll win one nothing. Jimmy Conrad, what say you? Okay, so I let's 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 get on the bus a little bit. Not using your same metaphorical bus, but let's get on the Arsenal train. Let's let's change the the mode of transportation here. Uh, let's get on let's get on the Arsenal carriage here and say okay. Let's say they have a glimmer of hope, uh, which I don't think they do. But because uh, Reese James is out, even though I like Espiliqueta, he's getting a little long in the tooth. And then because Chilwell's going to be out as well, and Emerson comes in, I think there is an opportunity for them, Saka in particular, to maybe get after a little bit. I think, I think Arteta really does have to release his wingers to, to really go with some purpose and, and to challenge those guys and don't let the double team, don't let Tiago Silva slide over. Don't let Kurzuma slide over. Try to really take advantage of these 1v1 opportunities. And that could lead, if they're bombing guys in the box, that could lead to some opportunities. Um, not necessarily crosses, but like just getting to the end line and, and playing it back, right? So I think Arsenal could, could find those advantages, assuming they can get the ball in those spots, which isn't always easy against a Chelsea team that's gotten a lot better defensively since uh, they've made some of these signings. That said, I don't think they're going to win this game. I could see a draw. I could see both teams scoring. That's plus 340. I could see some value there, Luis. So uh, if I want to oh, go over there and give them some hope, a glimmer of hope, this Arsenal team isn't like Manchester United. For, for us with Manchester United, we always like one week we complain about Ole Gunnar, and then the next week we're praising the guy. Like, how did he do that? It's amazing. They should sign him to a long-term deal. And then the next week it's like, oh, we should fire that guy. With this one, it's just like, this This is a, it's not getting better. They're not. This is who they are. This, this is, is who they are. are. Exactly. And, and, and that's a problem. And I mean, Arteta's out there doing quotes with statistics and all this stuff. I'm like, the guy's lost the plot. You know, I don't know. He's losing his mind. He doesn't know what to do. And he hasn't solved the problems. They still don't have a real identity. They still don't know who their best 11 is. And obviously with some key injuries, that's not helping the cause. Uh, this is this is going to be a tough one. And yes, do they need to win this? They absolutely do. And I think that desperation might see them get enough to make it happen. But I don't see him winning. I could just see a draw. So, but I think that Chelsea's going to win both teams to score. I like that one. What's the score for you? Two one. Okay, so two one from Jimmy. Oh, it's so safe. I know I'm playing it safe. Get <laughs> off my back, everybody listening. Get off my back. Sometimes safety is the best option. <laughs> uh, James Bench. If Martinelli and Abamyang are fit. And I see like a road to Arsenal winning. You go back to the 3-4-3. You have basically a left flank of Tierney as your left-sided centre-back. Saka further forward. Martinelli. That's great. That looks fun. You, can, you might be able to get a goal from there. Even then, I don't see Arsenal winning. Um, I think this is going to be a really tough, disappointing day. Um, I'm going to say... Th- Three one to Chelsea. Wow. Oh, wow. All righty. Three one. I respect it. Well, there you have it. All right. When we come back, we will continue to preview the rest of the Boxing Day Premier League action, including Man City against Newcastle. We've got Wolves Tottenham, Liverpool against West Brom, of course, and much more. Stay right here because Kegolasso will return. Okay. Picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody, to Que Golazo, James Bench, Jimmy Conrad. And we're now moving on to Sundays. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Sticking with Saturday, but Man City uh, in the 3 p.m. Eastern time kickoff against Newcastle at home to Newcastle. Jimmy Conrad, Newcastle, your team. Give me some betting tips on this one. Man City continues to try and climb up that table. Do I have to? Newcastle are absolutely <laughs> terrible. They lost to Brentford. Uh, they didn't even look good against Brentford, who are in the championship. Now, fair enough. Brentford maybe should have done the business against Fulham uh, last season in the playoffs, and we're unlucky not to get promoted to the Premier League. So they're pretty good. They got some good players, but still, what? That was like a Brentford B team, too. I don't even want to get into it. Okay, so so that game, I'm going to leave alone. In this one, they've got absolutely no chance. So when I looked at that, there's no value on William Hill. It's barely anything. But I did find this fun fact, and it blew my mind, and I couldn't stop laughing for about five minutes. Sergio Aguero, who just happens to be rounding into form before he plays against Newcastle, he <laughs> scored 15 Premier League goals for Man City against Newcastle, which is the most a player has scored for a single team against a specific opponent in the competition's history. So I'm looking at all the, all the bets of Sergio Aguero. I think he's going to start. He played 15 minutes against Arsenal uh, at the very end in the Carabao Cup. Uh, minus 175 to score anytime. He's going to score more than one, let's be honest. Plus 250 to score first, okay? Plus 260 to score two or more. Plus 100 to score with his right foot. I like that one probably the best. Uh, plus four, plus 600 to score with his left foot. You never know. And uh, plus 650 to score a header. And so I'm just looking at anything Sergio Aguero because for whatever reason, when he wakes up and has breakfast, he has he includes Newcastle on his breakfast because he just eats those guys all day, every day. And uh, I look forward to seeing Sergio Aguero score once again against my favorite club. I don't know if Sergio Aguero will start in this one, but it I doesn't do. matter. He's going to yeah. come on and score three, Luis. Yeah. It just doesn't matter. Yeah, but all he needs is a few minutes. You're right. You're completely right. Uh, James Bench, Man City, Newcastle. Uh, what What do you make of this one? Um, I'm, I'm, I was I was also looking at some of Sergio Aguero's stupid numbers against Newcastle, um, and I was on the website Transfermarkt. You might remember he scored five goals against them in one game. I was uh, trying not to remember that, but yeah, thanks, James. Back in 2015. What I love most about it is he came off after 66 minutes, which is really like the footballing equivalent of that bit in The Simpsons where it's like, stop, stop, he's already dead. <laughs> um, and the transfer marked like substitution says, Wilfred Bonny on, Sergio Aguero off, reason, special achievements. <laughs> this guy is so good, we had to get him off the pitch. Um, yeah, I, you've got to play him, haven't you? Surely you just respect the... The, the the ability to just beat up on this this poor <laughs> opponent and, and by the way like it doesn't get better for Newcastle after Aguero it's um, their f festive fixture list is the most difficult by so much after that they've got uh, they're at home to Liverpool and then uh, on January the third they're sorry they're away to Liverpool and then at home to Leicester so they're going to get no points if they get one point that's you know that's parades through the city centre I agree I agree well I agree. Yeah. And listen, when you, when you look at the table, you know, it's eight points above the relegation zone. But to your point, James Bench, that could easily get closer to that margin for Newcastle. And as somebody who knows too well the managerial tactics of Steve Bruce, that can very, very well happen. And a few other pointers, by the way, Kevin De Bruyne was rested uh, during the Carabao Cup. Uh, you know, Mendy can come back. There, there's just, there's just, Sweet. there is awesome. another. There is something to be said, though, about the fact that Newcastle has recently been ravaged with coronavirus, of course. And I feel that 
uh, that's still lingering on with apparently a lot of the players are still feeling the effects of that. Uh, not not Come trying on. to be, not trying to make any excuses. I'm just saying that it's not when it rains, it's, it pours. That's that's the only thing that I'm saying. That's if it. I was one of those players that I would see the squad and who we, we got, we, who we play in the next three games. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm not feeling great. I think it's still, <laughs> I think it's still a coronavirus. Yeah, I would be saying the same crap. Oh I'm just going to chill in the training room. I, I feel fine. I'm asymptomatic, but I, I still got it. Something's happening. You know, that's, oh man, those guys are all just taking it easy until after the new year. Yeah. yeah here's, here's a funny scoreline though. Cause every time I go on William Hill, they give you odds on the exact scoreline. So I always go to see like what the bookies are saying are going to be the favorite. And this one is three zero to uh, man city to win straight up plus 500 i don't know i it could be more than that to james's point especially if aguero starts it could be seven zero i just newcastle they'll put in a fight for a little while but you know they're gonna have 15 percent possession like most teams do against city and it's not gonna be fun to watch and it's just it really i feel like i am a masochist at this point supporting newcastle yeah well you might be so all right let's uh <laughs> the remaining matches by the way the similar kind of narrative could happen as liverpool face west brom on sunday west ham host brighton leeds united against burnley sheffield united host everton uh aston villa host crystal palace who just got spanked by liverpool uh but a big one as well uh to wrap everything up from sunday as well is wolves wolverhampton wanderers hosting tottenham uh, I say big just because, uh, I don't know, I guess it's the end of the weekend for that one. But also it's two teams that are still looking to find some kind of rhythm. I know that Tottenham just won in the Carabao Cup, but Wolves is still struggling as well. Uh, Wolves hosting this one. Jimmy Conrad, uh, what do you have from here? Yeah, this is going to be a good one. You say not a big, I think it's big for both clubs. Wolves are obviously struggling a little bit. I've only won three, or excuse me, I've lost three out of four since Raul Jimenez unfortunately went out with that really serious head injury. They miss his presence in so many different ways. They probably actually regret selling Diego Jota to Liverpool because he could have helped out. However, uh, Pedro Neto has really uh, stepped up. He scored three goals in his last six. Yeah, he's uh, Daniel Podense, who... Uh, the, the Portuguese number 10 has been very good for them in the middle of midfield. They just need that presence up top. They're missing that big guy in Raul Jimenez. And I think that's going to be another big loss. Another fun fact from this one, the away team, when these two teams play against each other, uh, have come out on top in five out of the last six games and Spurs have won their last three away uh, to Wolves. So there's a lot leaning towards Spurs in this one. I think they're coming off a lot of good confidence of beating Stoke. I think I got that one right this time, Ben. I appreciate you correcting me before. I was just so, it's so interested in the away, away from home. Um, so, uh, Hingman son has scored three goals in his last six, him to score any time is, is plus 150. I don't think there's, that's pretty good value. Harry Kane leads the league in assists. Uh, he's plus 180 to get an assist in this one. I like that as well. Cause he's doing really well. I think of, he starts kind of high somehow occupies the center backs, but then starts when he starts mm. to drift, that's when he's had a lot of success. When he drifts out wide to pick up the ball, Hingman son and others, but Hingman son in particular, like likes to run and break the lines and get in behind. And that lets led to a lot of goals. And I think teams have figured that out a bit, but something to keep a, keep an eye on. Um, I also like Hingman son to get two shots or more on target. Every time I bet this with Robert Lewandowski, he never lets me down. And I think Hingman son is still on that. So if he gets two shots or more on target, it's plus 200. I think it's a bit cheeky. Uh, and so it's just tough. I, 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 it's a tough one to bet, but I'll just kind of give you these values right now. There has been under two and a half goals in six out of the last seven games for Spurs in the Premier League, uh, despite them coming off a three, one win. That was a Carabao cup. And then I really like Hoiberg to, to get a yellow in this one. I think him chasing that number 10 around Daniel Padense, uh, could prove to be a bit of a challenge plus three twenty for him to get a yellow. He's a bit aggressive. Um, and so I don't know. It, it's interesting. The favorite, the favorite scoreline is 1-1 on William Hill, plus 480. 
I, I, could, I don't know who's going to score for Wolves. And so I kind of see it similar to Arsenal. Who's going to do that? Spurs to keep a clean sheet is plus 150. Depends on what you guys want to, how much risk you want to take. But uh, there's some good value in this game. Yeah, well, I tell you, there should be goals following their 3-2 win at Tottenham in the Premier League meeting last time. Uh, Wolves are looking secure back-to-back victories against them since 2009-2010. So you could see some goals. James Bench, uh, Wolves-Tottenham, a Portuguese matchup. How do you see this one? Um, I mean, I, I, I find Wolves' form really odd because I've seen a few of those games they've lost and they kind of play quite well. And I like the free as much as they really do miss him and as i love that sort of freewheeling stuff that neto and and pudence and Traore can do and sometimes do and did so well against chelsea but um i mean you look at this this looks like the game that's actually a bit easier for spurs than maybe the one on the 30th against fulham when they'll probably rotate and their depth has not looked as good as we thought it was you know bale lucas even vinicius they're not been great um i'm really interested to get Jimmy's take on how you deal with Harry Kane dropping deep when you know as well that Heung-Min Son is going in behind you. But you can't surely, you know, as a centre-back, surely you can't just let Kane move into that space and have the ball, particularly when you know he's got, you know, if it's quite near goal, you know he's got a great shot on him from range. And I mean, obviously you've got your midfielders, but they may well be occupied as well. We see that with someone like Ndombele. So how do you, I don't know how someone deals with this. And uh, I've never played football. <laughs> no, what I would say is that when that happened, when I played, you would release the, the striker into midfield, but you'd have to have really good communication with, mm. with your, your CDM. When I look at Matinho, is he going to do that work for Wolves? You know, you got uh, Vinegri as well. Is he going to be the guy that does that? I mean, that's a big question. I think you make a, a really good thing. And I think that Tottenham, a, a really good insight there where, they're trying to create numerical advantages when he drops in, or if he tries to pull one of the center backs wide, because you know he's been drifting a lot this season. I, yeah. I feel like we've, we've seen Harry Kane pick up the ball on the sideline more than ever, but that's creating gaps because, to your point, the center backs aren't. Oh, I guess I should follow him. I think my, my my manager would want me to follow him there, but then that creates big pockets of space for Hingman's son in particular to run into. So there's a lot of discipline and communication there, and if you have a couple of players that maybe aren't sharp or haven't played in a while. I know that uh, Bowley's going to probably come back in for Wolves, but he hasn't played in a while. You know, that could be something that Harry Kane could take advantage of. So there's a lot of communication uh, that that has to happen. And, and, and there has to be a commitment. And, and the CDM, right, he's got to turn and look over his shoulder all the time to see where the passing lanes are so that Harry Kane can't pick up the ball and then, and then turn and run at the back four, right? That's the one thing. If you don't go chase mm. Harry Kane into those spaces, if he does pick up the ball, now he's running at you with full speed, and that's not a good thing for you either. So it's like trying to find that, that middle ground where you could get to him. You know, you're close enough to maybe make it difficult for him not to get it in turn, but you're also not so tight that it's creating these big pockets of space for people to run into. So it, you got to be very disciplined, and the communication has to be spot on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see also the uh, right wing side from uh, Wolves at Amatrare against the left side of Tottenham, Sergio Reilon, of course. And of course, uh, you know, the possible appearance of Matt Doherty, you know, playing against his former club. An interesting matchup uh, where both teams often rely on the counter, but something has to give. Give me your predictions on this one, Jimmy Conrad. I see a 1-0 game here. I think Spurs are going to do just enough. They're going to grind it out. I don't think they're as aesthetically pleasing as they were maybe to start the season. I think people are starting to figure out this Hingman Sun Harry Kane thing. Wolves are always very tough to break down. I think they'll get something. I think Tottenham, though, will only – the value I like here, I think I'm 1-0. Tottenham's the only team to score plus 225 on William Hill. I like that one a lot. I just don't know where Wolves are going to get the goal. To Benj's point, I do like that they're looking a little more fluid up top. 
But I do think that that presence of, of Jimenez not having somebody up there that can hold up the ball against big center backs is, is really slowing them down. I don't think they're creating the same type of rhythm without them there. And I just don't see Pedro Neto is good. And I think he could slice and dice and maybe draw a penalty or something as he's done and shown, even though he is prone to diving, which is cool. I'm down with diving. It's part of the game. And yeah, just give him a yellow if he's faking or whatever. But uh, I like Tottenham, the only team to score plus 225. James Bench? Yeah, definitely go with Spurs, the only team to score. Like maybe in my head, I see this as one of those games where they're 1-0 up until like the 88th minute. Spurs commit a few too many forward and then it's just bang, Son or Lucas or whoever just gets the second. Yeah, I think this will be, um, I think it'll be interesting, but I don't see anything other than a Spurs win. Yep, I agree. I think it's a Tottenham win. I think Wolves will get a goal here, but it'll be 2-1 to Tottenham. Uh, Harry Kane will be up for this one as well. All right, before we finish off, as you uh, noticed all those games, any final words from both of you? Jimmy Conrad, let's begin with you as we look ahead to Boxing Day weekend action. Yeah, just enjoy it. Kick back, relax, enjoy your family. Hopefully you got a nice warm drink or a cold drink if that's your thing. Uh, if you're into, you know, spending a little of your extra cash on William Hill, I'm sure they would love it, but I'm hopefully giving you guys picks that you guys will win some money. So you can really feel even better about the holiday experience, but yeah, enjoy your families, your loved ones, uh, be safe and smart out there. And we look forward to seeing you on the other side. Beautiful. Jimmy, how about you, James Bench? Uh, I, I wish I could echo. I mean, I will echo what Jimmy said and then otherwise just shout out for this is going to, this is such a feast of football and it is stupid it asks way too much of footballers you know some of these teams have got like less than 48 hours between games but also like you know we've got it's the perfect English football feast and we've got Big Sam back <laughs> everything that one could want from the Premier League and I know that it's not right but it's really fun yeah. and that's what Christmas is about doing things that aren't <laughs> with you now, but you really enjoy Absolutely. It. Just like watching Indiana Jones. Uh, <laughs> it's really, really fun. James Bench, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Merry Jimmy Christmas. Conrad, thank you. Merry Christmas, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and James Bench for joining me today. This is our last episode of the week. We will come back on Monday as we have a transfers to watch out for in 2021 special with Fabrizio Romano and so much more. Make sure that you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. Follow us on Kegolasso Pod on Twitter. If you leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we would be forever grateful. Have a great holiday season and enjoy it with the rest of your family. We will see you very soon. It's a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount+, Plus to try it free. Terms apply.